This is Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. It's Monday, March 29th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined as usual by Pete Sampson from The Athletic. And we have a practice to talk about. We didn't get a chance to observe it in person, but we did get a little video from Notre Dame. We had interviews with Brian Kelly and a few players. And so, guys, just um, – and again – we try our best to take everything with a grain of salt when you watch a three-minute video clip of a two-hour practice. Um, but there are limits to that, I guess. Just your first impression, guys, of of what of what you saw in those in that three-minute clip provided by Notre Dame. I mean, offensively, I think that they've got a lot of work to do on on the line, um, which Brian Kelly talked about after practice. Um, but I think the flip side of that is. Jordan Batello looked like he was potentially a very disruptive player. Um, and Jack Cohn reminded me about like what a quarterback looks like with some like size to him. Um, you know, Notre Dame has not had a quarterback with some like physical stature probably since Deshaun Kaiser in terms of height. So um, that looked a little bit different to me, but I mean, overall it's um, I think this is, it's unfortunate that we're not in there because this is probably the most interesting spring practice that any of us would have covered in a long time. Um, but that video kind of confirmed that there's just a lot of stuff to, that's interesting to me. Yeah. And I thought just even listening to Kelly when he's like, you know, I'm not really sure about the identity because how could he be really sure? Does he, you, you can't run the offense you ran last year. If your offensive line doesn't gel and your second tight end doesn't become one of your six best offensive players, right? Uh, then, then I'll, if not, then you say, all right, we can't do that. We got to go to more of a, a basic speed look. One running back, Michael or Michael Mayer, one running back, and three wide receivers. But he has no idea if he can do that yet because he has no idea what his wide receivers can do, along with Jack Cohn. And uh, I think it's good they talk about Drew Pine um, competing and not handing Cohn the job. But I, that would that would be a, a shocking development if Drew Pine ends up winning this battle. And I just as Tim, you said, let's let's take everything with a grain of salt. I am taking that comment with a grain of salt, and I believe Jack Cohn is the starting quarterback when it all. Yeah, starts. and that and I wrote a story reflective of that over the weekend as well. <clears throat> I mean, you just it's just natural. I, I, and Pete, I, I made the same comment in a in a film review today that you know the cameras from the defensive side of the ball, and you can actually see the quarterback behind the <laughs> offensive line, which which you know we know Ian Book struggled with that, obviously. Uh, Drew Pine is going to struggle with that. I thought, I, I mean, I, I like the releases of all three of them, the concerns over Buckner and that, that summer disaster of when he started, when he decided to start throwing from down to the side, he, he didn't throw the football that way the other day. And, and that's a really good sign. I think he's, I think from decision to throw to actual release of the football, I think Buckner is probably the quickest. Uh, I like where I, I like where the release of the football comes out of Cohn's hand and Drew Pine threw a couple dimes. There was a there was a, a a clip of him hitting Lawrence Keys the third on a deep ball from the opposite hash. I thought that that was a great throw. I want to ask you guys um, about the offensive line and your perception. I, we might have a question on this in the second segment. I'll eliminate it if we do, but. Brian Kelly said Josh Lug would be playing right tackle this spring, but probably or would move to guard during the fall. What do you make of that? And what is that? I mean, I, I think there are, I, I think we can evaluate that on a couple different levels. Um, one being speculative about who that 
allows into the starting lineup at tackle. Just what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm not sure that I have a complete interpretation set in my mind about that comment. I, I think it could mean a, a few different things, but I guess my first couple takeaways were one that like Josh Lugg's bad back has maybe limited him athletically now. Um, and that, that is a, that sort of athleticism is probably better suited at guard than tackle where you're sort of out and dealing with a quicker, more athletic defensive end. Um, but why you would play him at tackle now, I, I think that Notre Dame probably has more to evaluate at guard than they do at tackle. Um, and, they, and Patterson is already out. So they're sort of down tackles anyway. Um, and they probably want to get, you know, they've never really gone into a spring practice evaluating Gibbons and Dirksen, certainly not Spindler. Um, so I think that it's a, it's a combination of things, but I think overall it's probably says more about where Lug is athletically now than anything else. And I think Patterson being out is, is probably the, the beginning of that domino effect. You're, domino you're taking, effect, a, look at, yeah. taking mm-hmm. a look at a left tackle that's going to be playing right tackle. And you're taking a look at left tackles this spring. Someone's going to play right tackle. The best left tackle you have this spring will go play right tackle because Jared Patterson's going to play left tackle. Um, I wonder you if gotta, it does. You see what, hey, you got to see what you have a guard though too, right, Tim? I mean, like Gibbons, Gibbons has been, Gibbons was better last year than he'd ever been and healthy. And you've been a fan of Dirksen to maybe someday come through the program and be a late, late, you know, late career contributor. Now is the time to find out, as Pete just said. They're not going to beat out Josh Log at right guard if he's going against him day to day. So let's see what you have and let's see what you don't have. You know, and I wonder if, I mean, and so now Tosh Baker's getting the reps with the first team at, at left tackle. I wonder if he, if he is a legitimate left tackle in 2021, do you put Patterson a right tackle? And then, and then Lug fits naturally at guard if his back holds up. I, you know, I've heard some really good things about Blake Fisher. And, Pete, I think you and I doubted him the most um, com- coming into this because just, I don't know, just approach really involved in – we, I may be, I may be reading too much into it, but just, I don't know, his involvement in recruiting and, and social media and all that, it's, it's a little uncommon for an offensive lineman. I just wondered whether he would be ready for the big picture of Notre Dame football. And I've heard some really good things about him. Now he was playing left tackle the other day, which is interesting, but I mean, ultimately he's going to end up at guard. He's not, he's not going yeah. to get down to a weight. Uh, you know, where you want him in left tackle. So I think ultimately he ends up at guard. But I think it's really kind of fascinating because it's very open-ended. Other than Zeke Corral at center, and you know Jarrett Patterson's a starter, we're uncertain about Lugs, you know, health, and can Dirksen come through, and Kristoffic is playing uh, guard and second-team tackle. I, I think it's just going to be very interesting and something that we're probably going to be speculating about between today and sometime mid-season. In the <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't say August 1st. That's no, for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think we also sort of feel like the way we felt before spring practice started, that they're probably going to have multiple starting offensive line yes. configurations this fall. Like that's, they're going to have to work that out on the fly during the season, probably. And there's no natural backup to Corral anymore. I mean, there's no natural backup right. to the starting center, I should say. No, um, which is crazy because they had four starting. They they had four centers two years ago. If you think of Carell yeah. being too young, Colin Grunhard, 
Jarrett Patterson. I mean, and then Lug can play it and Lug well, can jump into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't yeah. even think they want to. Not they're anymore. probably not, not even considering that, yeah. that anymore. I, I've heard that Gibbons is a could be an option at center as well in a backup role. So we'll see what happens there. We have questions on all these positions. Right. And we'll go into that in segment second segment. I just wanted to finish this first segment saying that Pro Day, we're going to have our Pro Day interviews with 14 NFL prospects today. It's going to be a marathon. I, I have plenty of water with me, so I don't so I so I'm able to speak through an interview, which I couldn't get through with Chris Riley the other day. I try I tried like four times to talk and I just couldn't do it. Uh, so uh yeah, so we'll go through that. But Pro Day actually is on Wednesday, right. there will be television coverage of that. Um, so it's I weird. think Wednesday is going to be a lot more interesting than today yeah. when we're interviewing guys without it's strange. pro day to, you know, it's a lot of preparation for pro day questions, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just more convenient for those guys and for Notre Dame. Oh, certainly. And, yeah. and honestly, it's probably more convenient all the way around. It's just not as valuable for us, but I mean, right. If right. we did 14 interviews yeah. after pro day. I do want to say <laughs> I, I, Notre Dame made a concerted effort. They have made a concerted effort this spring that the three minute, I was told this, the three minute segment and BK was involved in this decision. The three minute segment that they put out is it's, they want it to, to have oh. some meat on the bone where when right. you watch it as a media member and as a fan, you get a real opportunity to see players. I thought they did a really good job with that, that first, uh, that first video clip after following the first practice. We'll be back for segment two in a bit. How long have you been a Notre Dame fan? When was your first game? And do you have an interesting game story to tell? I'm Len Clark of the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project, a project to document the Notre Dame football fan experience. Commemorate your first game or your loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. To learn more, go to ndcertificate.com. Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Denver Maximus. The first practice is in the books. Any legends made? One practice last year and the legend of Kevin Austin was born. Uh, Houston Griffith, too, after the first practice last yeah. year. Who had a nice uh, PBU, I think. He did, uh, have, he did have a pass broken up. Legends. Oh, Jack I don't Cohn, I think. <laughs> legends, I don't know that we saw. We, we need more time. But Legends. yeah, we saw an entire practice last year, right? Uh, I, and I'm sure I don't know if I don't remember if they put a video out after that, but I'm sure that Kevin Austin was prominent <laughs> in that first video. But I, based upon three minutes, I don't know that we saw anything as legendary as Kevin Austin. I mean, Jordan Batello had two sacks. Yeah, that's the uh, one I would think. Batello would be my takeaway. Xavier Watts, we had a question on. He would be a takeaway there just for showing up and. You know, the one yeah. thing I, I was, I was kind of, I, I didn't, I don't think I noticed the Lawrence Keys highlight until Timmy pointed out in the, well, tail, that was tail in the a, tape. That was, I saw that on Twitter. I don't know that that okay, was. Okay, that's why, that, I guess. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? So I believe uh, that Notre Dame, like the people that do the filming, like they give the players uh, oh, okay. assets, whether it be photos or video. And Pine and they, put it out then. They can do what they want with them. I got Pine you. put that one out. Okay. I, I think I, I bring it up because this will be the fourth year in a row, if you include August Camp of his freshman year, where we've seen Lawrence Keys do that in practices. So we just need to see Lawrence Keys do that in games more. I mean, you can I can count 15 good practice plays if I go back through all my notes on Lawrence Keys, and you count about two in games. Like the Georgia right. game was Lawrence Keys' best, and that that's a good thing to say. The Georgia game was Lawrence T's best, but 
that's also two years ago. It's it's time to see. We're gonna we're gonna write him off until he makes a play in mid September to you know to help beat somebody. And then we're like, oh yeah, Lawrence Keys, he's a senior now. Right. I know who else flashed. Uh, Ramon Henderson I mean, had a pass broken yeah. up. Um, yeah, I thought you know I Takis is a guy again. I don't want to step over some of our questions that we have coming up coming up here, but uh, you know Mills is a lot bigger. Timmy wrote the story about the guys that made gains. I think I think we can put the rest. You know, guys that'll move to the <laughs> big end. I think I think he I think Mills is going to stay inside. I, I texted Jack before I sent that story the other day. I was like, it's almost like Notre Dame is trolling us. The three biggest gainers were Jordan Johnson, Riley Mills, and Michael Mayer. <laughs> it's like they're saying, look at these guys coming up yeah, in the broker. I, you know, <laughs> I thought Mayer looked I thought Mayer looked pretty streamlined though. There was a crossing yeah, route geez. that he that he ran and a and he You're six ten, you can carry that way. Mayor, I had heard this last year from people are like around Notre Dame is like he actually was very worn down by the end of the year um, sure. and did not have the strength to like hold up at the point of attack the way that Notre Dame would want its tight end to hold up. Um, so there was, despite how impressive he is physically, um, I think that from a strength perspective, he he had a lot yeah. of ground to make up. Can so you imagine what season that, for him. Can you imagine what that's like for a freshman? I mean, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton went through it as well. I mean, you can't, I, I don't, I, I don't care how much Matt Bayless prepares for right, you, right. prepares you for a season. Yeah. The grind of a long season like that. And then you mix in COVID last year and that that's the mental gr- uh, grind part of the last season. That and tight ends at Notre Dame last year and all this blocking that Michael Mayer had to do in addition to becoming their best player on our best receiver on offense by the end of the year, he had to hold up all that. He had more snaps than Tommy Trimble. That's yeah. a weird thing. He had more snaps than Tommy Trimble. I mean, that's a lot for a freshman. I I bet Tommy Trimble was aware of the fact that he had less snaps than, than Michael yeah. Mayer. Good point. Question from yeah, Washington. You can ask him later today. Yeah. <laughs> Do you realize how many snaps? <laughs> Do you realize a mere freshman had more snaps? <laughs> yeah. Than you? yeah, make sure you phrase it one of those ways. All right, Qu- question from Wash ND. Those Butner to Watts connections look pretty good, don't they? Hitting on a few deep shots like those in a game would be a welcome shot in the arm to the offense in 20. He wrote 2022. I assume he meant 2021. Right. Also, was I mistaken or was Watts in the mix with the first team offense in some clips? That was part of the question. That wasn't my question. Yeah. I. I didn't see that. Um, I mean, all the Watts clips that I saw was him working with, with Buckner, as Washington D said, and that's, you know, more of a deep reserve at this point. But um, I don't remember a lot of third team quarterbacks or third team receivers making those kinds of plays um, in previous spring practices. Again, he's, you know, I think one of them was against Justin Walters, who is in his first college practice ever. Um, who's also a safety. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, you sort of take that with some amount of uh, hesitancy, but man, I haven't seen um, a spring practice connection like that since Phil Jakovic to Braden Lindsay three years ago. So that's uh, get carried away if you want. Yeah. But I would, I would also, it, it would be a good thing if you do see a guy like Watts with the first string rep, but I bet he gets them. I mean, if you have a pretty good practice, they rotate those receivers exceptionally heavily. So don't look at receivers as much with their first team reps. Um, if trying to think of a position where you might read into it, I, maybe if you see, 
all right, if you see a young linebacker taking first string reps, that means something because that would be that would be right. That yeah. would be different. Yeah. But Watson, Jordan Johnson getting rotate, reps for rotate. number one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. over the course of a over the course of a two hour practice, they throw the ball two hundred yeah. times. I mean, of course they rotate in there. Now, yeah. I want to say this. Let me just add this, Tim. Yeah. Okay. Buckner beats Walters deep and, and the, I'm sorry. Um, Watts Watts, beats Walters deep and, and uh, Buckner gets him the football. There could be a variety. And as you said, Pete, his first practice for Walters, I mean, his eyes are somewhere else. Watts just ran by him. I I don't, I don't, any other receiver would have done that. And any other, other quarterback would have got him the football under the, circumstances so like all of these things and I, and I have to remind myself the same thing you you have to put everything in perspective there are a multitude of reasons why things happen in these skeleton drills yeah these one not skeleton per se but you know these one-on-one drills that that you can't get a full explanation just by looking at that video clip from the, from the practice and I think there's a uh, a fine line for some young guys when you're in a one-on-one drill and you're told to stay up. I mean, Justin Walters is just as afraid of landing on someone because he's been told to stay up and he's never been in a drill where he's been told to stay up before and still go 100% and learn to compete and know all your footwork and all that. There's a lot that goes on in these practices. And, and we kind of learned the hard way. We didn't really pay attention to the you're supposed to stay up drill until Michael Young didn't stay up and was lost for a month. And Chip Long kind of told you guys, like, yeah, great diving catch. The whole point is never to land on the ground <laughs> during that kind of a drill. And we we just really, you know, it's hard for us to know what they're really trying to accomplish all the time. One thing I'd say about that clip against Walters, it's also Tyler Buckner's <laughs> first spring practice, and he looks off the safety. So to me, that, that's, thing. Yeah. that's a nice thing to see. I agree. Um, that that involves some level of sophistication from your quarterback. Agreed. <clears throat> Terry Benedict, what practice highlight are we going to overplay how big it was in our heads? That one. That's that why one. Yeah, that's, that's why that's, the one, huh? that's why I put that question <laughs> yeah. there because that that that's one. Can you think of another one? I think anytime Batello comes off the edge, that we the hunger we have for another pass rusher, anytime you see some Batello doing that. Yeah. If Batello and Foskey do it at the same time, all of a sudden they're going to be the tag team sack masters of the country at some point in uh, early April here. Yeah, I thought Isaiah Pryor showed some explosiveness up front. Um, he's going to look good in these situations, isn't he? Yeah, I, yeah, right? he will. But I do. I, I, I mean, I go back to what we said last fall. The closer he is to the snap of the football, the better, the better the chance of his performance looking good. Right, I agree. And and there's a clip from yesterday where he was in space, and I don't remember. So I, I it was in my film review, but somebody beat him downfield. I mean, he he's just better closer to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Avery Davis on a cross. Okay, right. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly who it was. Yep. Kevin Cunningham, 667. Any position changes announced? Any transfer updates? Those are. Yeah, well, um, Tiger Beloa Mosa was playing some defensive end. Our next question, I'm going to go ahead and tie that in right now from Chad Flanagan. MTA at a strong side end had to be, had to be a three-man front, right? I can't imagine having him. Or him having the speed to keep contain and ha- I have flashbacks of Ronald Telly and John Ryan. Wow. Um, uh, so MTA was a D end in a four man front. Um, was. It was not a, yeah, yeah right. it was with Jason Adamilola, Heinish and Foskey. And that um, I'll be curious to see how this plays out moving forward. Cause 
you listen to Freeman talk about his defense a little bit more. Like he definitely likes a lot of the way he described as a three, four, where the fourth outside linebacker is actually a safety. So it's not a three, three, five. It's just like, I guess your three, you would be like Kyle. Well, kind of like, yeah. Position. I mean, kind of like Elko and Lee, they always said four, two, five, but you never really thought. Right. Of, it looked like a four, three. A Wusu, it looked like a four, yeah, three. Yeah. You never thought of yeah. Wusu Koromo as the five, as one of the five. Right. I just said it's, I think this defense is, is going to be a lot more of defensive linemen blowing up spaces, plugging holes and the linebackers making plays um, opposed to the other way around mm-hmm. where, you know, the defensive linemen are getting after a little bit more, but I who knows? I, it's again, it's the first practice. Um, but I, but I get it because they don't have a ton of, defensive end true pass rushes and when kelly said that i think kelly said that foskey and batello were the same position that sort of answered your question about what the other end was going to be it was just going to be a big body i you don't have a lot of two gap defensive tackles i mean you don't have you don't have sheldon day right (laughs) i mean but he's got the pieces it's it's a it's really we'd love to see a whole practice with those guys rotating because there are there are so many pretty good and good players of those defensive tackles, including MTA moving out and Justin Adamiola. I mean, so many good and very good players that are not Sheldon Day and are not Jerry Tillery, but there's a bunch of them that can play. And I think Marcus Freeman probably knows right away and talking to Elston, I got a bunch of guys that, that can help me. Maybe none of them is going to have an incredible season other than how the coaches look at film and say, that guy's having a great season. Do you guys have a, the concern that Chad Flanagan has that MTA is a as a big end and a four man front is a little out of his element. I mean, I think if they had a better, if they had Adi Ogundeje, they wouldn't be making the move. So that is one way of looking at it. Right. I, I mean, well, Ronald true. Telly played in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. So. Ronald Telly right. had his moments. I thought yeah. for Notre Dame too. Um, I think MTA be a better defensive tackle, but they have defensive tackles yeah. that can play as well. And he can I, play. I, yeah. I, I just want, I, I think we're so accustomed to seeing him, seeing him inside. Yeah that he's listed at six, two and a half. And I've always thought he plays longer than that. He looks longer than that. And I think he plays longer than that. So from that perspective, I, I, I think that he can play a strong side uh, defensive end. I get, I get the question and the concern, I guess, but I think, I think that that's a, a decent fit. I think that that can work. We need to see him in live action playing that position where he's in when he where he's starting more in space, uh, as opposed to where he's bottled up between the defensive ends. And really, he, like, what are we talking about? Like, if it's third and ten, he's not going to be playing that position. Right. That's true. Right, right. He's you setting know, the edge. He's setting the edge on first down when he's in there. That's right. That's what he's doing. You know, yeah. When teams are going to run the ball, like I think it's a great guy to have there. <laughs> if it's a pass only situation, less so. Um, so, so you, you know, guys it could be situational. Do you expect to see Botello and and Foskey on the field? On third down. On third down, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Jay Jude, what are the odds that Blake Fisher stays at tackle and doesn't even kick inside? I don't think he stays out there. I I don't think that that's the best way to use him. I think the fact that he looks good physically and that he's playing there this spring or at least the first practice, that's good. Because I, I wasn't expecting a guy to look. I was expecting a guy to look a little bit sloppy with his weight upon his arrival and that hasn't been the case he's a guard he's going to end up at guard um 
you know, with Patterson out, Christophic has moved inside. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good sign, but I don't think that ultimately stays a tackle. Do you guys? I think un- unlikely. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out, but yeah, he's in a. I don't know. I mean, it's like if he's a if he's a real shock to Notre Dame in terms of his physical conditioning and like gets to a, a way that he's light on his feet at like a three ten or something, then you know maybe he could be a kind of a powerhouse right tackle. I don't know. At you, if we found remember he's one of the better players in the class and he's going to be a starting offensive lineman and they need to start grooming him. I bet if we found the practice report from August two thousand fourteen, you might see. Backing up Ronnie Stanley at left tackle was Quentin Nelson. Aaron Banks. And you say yeah. to yourself, is he a tackle? You go, nope, but that's what they're and doing I, with him yeah, right Yeah, I mean, let me, the... let me step back a second by saying that Blake Fisher is 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he's got length. It's not like he's 6'3 and a half at, at left well, tackle. We're not disparaging him at left guard. We're thinking they've had Quentin Nelson and Aaron Banks, and, and here yeah, comes Blake no. Fisher. <laughs> that's exactly. like a really good thing. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm – what what we've seen from Blake Fisher and what I've heard about Blake Fisher yeah. is way better than I anticipated on March 29th. Right. Andy Hawk, if Josh Lug is going to play guard during the season, why is he playing tackle in the spring? We kind of hit on this one. Wouldn't it make more sense to give as much time as possible to contend to the contenders for tackle? Yeah. Eh, yeah. Carmody's yeah, playing Carmody's playing tackle. I had heard he was at guard before the start of spring drill, so I don't know. And I bet they'll be all over the place. I don't yeah, see Quinn Carroll staying at right tackle either. If he can go be the best yeah. guard or the first guard off the bench. I mean, hell, we're, we're more confused now than we were going into the first <laughs> practice. It's just, I mean, it's just very open-ended. It's going to be a wide-open competition. Gibbons is going to be given an opportunity to win starting job. Is his foot okay? I'd heard some indication that his foot was bothering him a, a, a little uh, still. Dirksen. You know, Tim, you mentioned that I was I liked him coming out of coming high school. Coming out of high school, uh, I don't yeah. mean this. I mean, year. I really yeah. Yeah. I liked what I saw him coming out of high school. I don't know that I've seen anything at Notre Dame or heard anything at Notre Dame that would indicate that, you know, he's he's ready to be a full time star. So we don't we you know, we don't have answers. The coaching can, staff doesn't have answers. No, that's it. We can we can put this in a nutshell now for the next two months. All right. We've gotten a little pushback on our board about when we all have said, "Hey, this offensive line's a work in progress. This is the this well, is the unit on the team." We're not going. You and I aren't going to vary from that opinion. No, we're not, and that's what I want to point out. Right now, you're going to hear all these different things they're doing and moving around, and you know what? It might work out great, and maybe Blake Fisher can start as a freshman, and Rocco Spindler will have a redefined body, and he'll be there, and he'll be in the mix, and everybody gets all their favorite highly rated players starting together. And at no point last spring did they say, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do with Hainsey, Kramer, Patterson, Banks, or uh, Eichenberg next Lug. year. But I, I think mean, we're even Lug. Or I think we're going to move him around yeah. and just see what fits, and maybe we'll take a look at Dirksen and tackle. They knew we, that's why it was a strength. And that's why we'll yeah. not even say. Legit question by, question by Andy Hawk, and I, we yes. don't yeah. have the full answer right now. I think that I – uh, my math might be off, but I, I believe that at this time last year, Notre Dame's starting five on the offensive line returned 109 starts among those five. And this year is around like 38. Plus they were um, really good. Yeah, and 21 of them. <laughs> really 21, Patterson. 21 of those starts are limping around the field watching his teammates play in Patterson. Right. When your Tommy Kramer is your by far your fifth best offensive lineman going into a season, fifth-year senior Tommy Kramer, 
that's a pretty good spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I can tell why, you who the right guard would be if Tommy Craver was here right that's now. That's why they exactly – that, that's a big reason why they converted 50% of their third downs, plus Ian Book running for nine yards, and it was always underestimated. PJ from PA70, how do you expect the second tight end position opposite Mary to shake out? Which player has the best opportunity to play in the two tight end packages, and do you believe they'll prioritize inline blocking like Brock Wright's skill set or an additional flex option like Tommy Tremble? I like George Takis. I liked what I saw of him yesterday. He's six foot six. He looks to me like a big whiteout running around out there. I think he's going to take firm control of the the other tight end spot with Michael Mayer. Now, how all that works, I, I'm not sure exactly how good of a blocker George Takis is going to be, an inline blocker. Do you guys have a sense for how that's going to shake out with the – I mean, I know they like Kevin Bauman. Um, Mitchell Evans was a personal protector on uh, punt, by the way. There you I don't go. know if you Athlete. saw that. Yeah. Um, he'll, be, he'll be more dedicated to that role than Jerron Jones was when he was a personal protector on punts. <laughs> just kind of watch guys run by. <laughs> I know targeted people around Notre Dame, the staff has been pleased with both Kane Barong and Mitchell Evans to date, um, just in terms of like being ready to, to practice and yeah, do but, all that I kind mean, of Barong stuff. is 235, and, and I'm hearing that. I'm not saying it'd be the second yeah, tight end. No, no, no. I mean, he'll, he'll be a move tight end. I, I don't think Kane Barong. I'm not sure how often Kane Barong as a, will play as an attached tight end at any point in his time right. at Notre Dame. The, the way I would look at the Takis Bauman aspect of it from is I, first of all, I agree with you, Tim, that Takis could prove to be one of the more important offensive players. If they decide his blocking in line and ability to catch the occasional ball is more important than a receiver. I can't imagine Bauman, even if Bauman looks markedly better as a detached pass catcher than Takis, that they will look at Bauman and say, we want a detached tight end out there with Mayer instead of a wide receiver. I would have Lawrence Keyes or a second running back or a third wide receiver as opposed to Bauman. Whereas last year, Tommy Tremble brought so much to the table blocking. You're like, we can't. We obviously have to have him out there doing that. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not Bauman. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, Mayer, it's Bauman against all those receivers, too, because Mayer's Mayer, already your guy. Yeah. Mayer's now their best blocking tight end. Right. And was, their best pass catching tight end. Yes. <laughs> and their best <laughs> offensive player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Bauman has, that, like, guys to go against that aren't just tackles. Yeah. I mean, I think this this question is sort of like, uh, how do you recreate last year's offense? I don't even think they're going to attempt it. Yeah. Um, I think two two tight end. If you had to rank two tight end, two back, and three receiver sets, last year two tight end was the best. This year, I think it's probably the worst of those three. Like I would rather see them get Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree out there together. And if they don't do that, I would rather see them do one back, one tight end, and three receivers. And then two tight ends would be like the third option. Well, I think last year it was the best by a country mile, as the saying goes. Like, it wasn't like, yeah. hey, I think two tight ends is the best. It was, well, this is clearly obviously what we're going to be doing. And So I guess the answer to this question, I think the second tight end is probably going to be the best blocker because you're going to be using two tight ends in third and short. So who's the best blocker among? Takis. Takis and Bauman. Takis. I mean, I would, yeah, I would think so. So these are all good questions. And, I, and yeah. I, no, that's a good I'm question. certainly not going to try – to answer any of these questions definitively based upon three minutes of practice, you know, I mean, video clips and, and um, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going, it's just going to have to evolve. These are all very good questions. Question from Irish Cowboy 88. Was I mistaken or did Jack Cohn look a little rusty in his first spring practice? A few times he picked the target and then hesitated instead of letting it fly. How do you guys think he looked? Can I honestly say that when I watch a three-minute clip and he's in seven of the clips, it's hard for me to judge if Cohen was rusty or sharp. Yeah, you can say whatever you want, Tim. I don't believe I, I don't I, believe we can I don't believe we can say how a quarterback looked over the course of a okay. practice. Okay. I don't I don't believe it at all. I, I I don't have an opinion on if Jack Cohen was rusty or not, other than it's the first time at Notre Dame's practice. And maybe he had for the first time since he was a freshman at at Wisconsin, mild jitters because he was he was practicing for Notre Dame and or trying maybe, to win a job. Or maybe the guy wasn't open, or maybe the right. receiver was redirected, or maybe the you know the receiver hadn't. Maybe he didn't know Kyle I, Hamilton was hurt. He's like, "Where is that guy? I keep seeing him on film." <laughs> I mean, I just, out. <laughs> what, there are just so many reasons why a quarterback you don't want him to just go back and throw it and get picked off, right? Right. Plus, I feel like I can look at Ian Book the fifth year senior coming in and saying, if he looks sharp or rusty a lot better than I can comb. Is that, is that fair? Well, yeah. You, know, yeah, I, you yeah. don't know what he looks like in a practice. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, it's just, a, it's an impossible. Yeah. I, I evaluation. don't, I mean, I, you know, Irish cowboy, that's <clears throat> what you saw. And I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I just don't. And he might've been, I, but I there's did, a million reasons why he right, might've been. That's exactly. Whole, yeah, it, yeah. And, and none of them. And some of those million reasons, might have nothing to do with whether he was rusty or whether he was right. hesitant. I, I mean, I, I just don't, you know, you're, you're, you're running a drill. We don't see the route. We don't see what happened to the receiver. We don't see if the, if the safety then came over the top, we don't, a lot yeah. of those things you just don't know. So I didn't think he looked rusty. I, I liked his delivery. I liked his release point. I loved his size. Um, I don't really have anything. I'm, I'm not sure what I would criticize if I were to. I know you're a recent Notre Dame analyst when you say you love the 6'3 quarterback size, like it's the most impossible thing in the modern era. <laughs> We've watched so many short quarterbacks since Kaiser left. There, even Wimbush wasn't a big yeah, quarterback. Ju- I mean, Jerkovic <laughs> was in there, but he never yeah. really came close to winning the job. And so, yeah, I mean, it just... <laughs> it's, just it's a start. Well, it is a difference, but yeah. I mean, we've seen... We've seen hundreds and hundreds of Ian Book snaps. And when you can actually see the top of the helmet of the quarterback uh, in a practice setting, it's like, oh, hey, it's good to have a six, three and a half quarterback. Uh, question from Irish Boy One. How do you think Cone having two years of eligibility will affect the quarterback situation? Tim, you have some information on this. Yeah, and I, it's, I think Pete has the same information. I don't, I don't, I think he just has two years of eligibility as a guy that's going to be here one year. Yeah, he's he is, there's no intention for him to return for a second year. That doesn't mean that he won't. I mean, no, anything can happen. But right. yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. You know, Something there, yeah, could be really gone. It would be bad if he came back for a second year. That's yeah, bad or so bad or great, injured, and then injured. Yeah, like right, he's awesome, exactly. and then he gets hurt. Then you come back for a year. This you know, was that's brought the up. Only. It was on our message board. Someone said he played six games as a freshman, which is not true. He played three. So, but even if he played three as a freshman, he played three years, he would have got, he would have received a free year from the NCAA last year. Yeah. And then the normal fifth year. So, or yeah. So he has two years of a Notre Dame, Notre Dame says he has two years of eligibility left. 
Yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, I was told, yeah. and a couple of the writers were told he had won by, uh, but not by Notre Dame. And I'm going with Notre Dame must know how many years their quarterback has left to play, right? There's, this right. is all right. I am going to, I will officially file a complaint if Notre Dame doesn't know how many years Jack Cohn has while they're trying to play their football program. So let's go with what Notre Dame tells us on that one. Need a turnover asks, which position group do you feel better about in early spring, offensive line or wide receiver? This could be a unanimous answer here. Next question too. That's it. Um, now offensive yeah. line. I just think that they have they have they have more answers at the offensive line than they have a receiver. I feel like they're. I have. I actually have more questions about the receiver position than I do the offensive line. I'm going wide receiver. I just think I shouldn't even include Kevin Austin anymore. Why I do that, I don't know. Same reason Tim does. There's, <laughs> I just think right, because he's going to lead the team in reception. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think the um, the continuity needed on the offensive line and experience and everything else involved will be lacking, and I, maybe talent can shine forth at wide receiver. Yeah, it's hard for would... talent to shine forth at offensive line when it's younger talent that should not be shining it. So I've got the deciding vote. I'm, I, I would agree with you, Tim, on that. Pete, I just can't. There's just too many moving parts on the offensive line. This is a big debate on our message board. And I finally had to, I finally had to get out of a thread because it's like I'm going to throw my <laughs> hands up and say, how many offensive line developments do you have to see to understand that it takes a long time to get chemistry <laughs> with an offensive line? It's the equivalent of show me a loss on the schedule. Yes, yeah, you know, it's, I just it's possible. Uh, I can't look at it that way. I, I, it, that's it's, just... Plus, it's possible as reporters, uh, Pete for twenty years, me for twelve years, and Tim for thirty-eight years, that we might know somebody in a higher position than us that believes they might have problems on the offensive line. I would be one of those people. Yeah, that I'm just, knows I'm just that, throwing that yeah. out there. I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not just me saying, "Hey, I've been reviewing a lot of film, and let me tell you what's wrong." I know there's, there's the Notre Dame coaching staff is <laughs> yes. very concerned about the chemistry of the offensive line when the 2021 season starts. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and then, but as of right now, they are very concerned about the chemistry of their offensive line. Well, even your point, I didn't really consider, which I should have, was is what if Zeke Carell gets hurt? <laughs> Then you lose your best tackle going back to center. They don't even have a backup. It's Jarrett Patterson's back there, and then you don't have him at tackle. Yeah, you know, I'm changing. I'm changing. Yeah. I'm changing. <laughs> I told you. I told you, you talked me into wide receiver. Because it's also like, look, at wide receiver, uh, we have issues. Well, let's play two tight ends. Let's play but two you, running backs. Right, you, can't, right. so yeah. let, you can't have a no, three-man offensive good, line. That's a good way of, of, yeah. of explaining it. However, I do say it's a, again another legit question, and I do. Say, oh, it is a legit question. Now, Bra- I'm not, yeah. Bra- now, okay, again, we saw three minutes, and we didn't see Braden Lindsay catch a pass. That could be because the editor of the film already had three <laughs> minutes and skipped the diving grab by Lindsay. <laughs> I mean, Which is bad editing. I blame like, the editor. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, or, or okay, not a diving grab, but he made yeah. he made uh, you know three catches on four passes and had to go. There are yeah. a multitude of reasons why we didn't see Braden Lynn. Maybe his hamstring's still bothering him. Well, that would be bad. Maybe he has <laughs> a new injury. <laughs> I, I yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe he had sleep deprivation and that hampered him again in his first practice. Yeah, there's there's many reasons. Maybe he made three nice catches on short hooks that they asked him to run. Braden, we want you to work on this curl right. route because you've been very sloppy on it. And he just makes the catches and doesn't and look they like weren't good exciting enough yeah. to make the highlight. These are all things that must be kept in mind. 
I think they should troll us and now do like 47 hook hitch routes on the next clip and say, oh, yeah, you guys want to see guys make catches? Look at this five-yard catch. CMU Pens fan, if Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree represent swagger on offense, who do you see being the swagger on this year's defense? Well, I think uh, – I, I mean, I don't know yet. I think Jordan Botello is going to have enough swagger for like three different guys, himself <laughs> yeah, and no, three other we, guys. We we know it's <laughs> yeah. Jordan <Bettello. laughs> Yeah, that's got to be uh, a reined-in swagger. That's the only issue there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know that I would necessarily right away think Chris Tyree swagger per se. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't. He's got a mechanism. Kyle Hamilton. I love Kyle Hamilton, but they're part of the reason I love him is he's got a he's got a little something loose when he's on the field, right? Yeah. Yep. You see, how he was going after Djokovic like he was his mortal enemy after every snap. I don't know. It was who, like... who I, I swagger is such a, a a broad term that could be interpreted in, in many different ways. It's I good guess. for Kyron Williams, though. It's a really, it's a good one for Kyron Williams. That, I, would say I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. Alohi yeah. Gilman. Alohi Gilman had. Yeah had swagger on yeah. the football field. Um, man, I don't, you know, Bow, Bo Bauer, maybe I get. Yeah, no, Bo Bauer brings that. It's, I mean, Drew, people don't like to hear it, but Drew White has that. Drew White's, Clark Lee called him nuts. He yeah, called him a, right. <laughs> a maniac, right. you know. It's, so maybe those are those yeah. are some of the guys. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my chart here. Who else might fit into that category? I mean, Heinish has a good little, has a good attitude. Yeah, for yeah I mean, I think. Yeah. I think Justin Adamiola does to a large yeah. extent too, because he's always around the, the football. Uh, Martin Evenflow. Pearl Jam fan, I think, right? Yeah. Right in. Uh, will Kevin Austin's decision to delay surgery on his foot ultimately be looked at at his final mistake in Notre Dame? He hasn't really played in three years. He needed this spring. No matter how talented he was, the best ability is availability. I like that. Yeah. For now, he is hype and hope. I don't know that it's his. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I it's hope his not. Final, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's his final mistake. I do think, from what little I know about the situation, I mean, I think it was a mistake to delay the surgery. Yes. I would agree with that. I feel like, without putting words in their mouth, Brian Kelly kind of felt they did not he think did. it was a great idea to yeah, have the surgery delayed. Yeah, he yeah. did. Pete, what's your perspective on that? I think that spring practice is overrated. Um, so I, I would, I don't think he need. I don't think he needed the spring. So don't listen like, to this podcast. <laughs> no, I just like yeah. the idea that like he needed the spring to like, as a senior. Well, they have cone. Like, I get it with cone. I get it. Right. With cone coming in and Buckner coming in and all that. But. I get, I don't know. I still think it's just like, you're a wide receiver. You're catching a football. Like it's not, I don't think he needed this spring. It's like, if you're that talented, you don't need this spring the same way. If you're a super talented freshman, you don't need, you don't need early enrollment. Kyle Hamilton, to, Michael Mayer did not need early enrollment. He needs to, to be healthy. That's the yes. the yeah. thing that he needs to be healthy. I, I see where you're going with that, Pete. I mean, I. He needs to be healthy in August camp too. Not just he because he needs to be, they need to be able to. That's Brian, different. Brian Kelly needs August to trust that I put him out there. And he is going to do and all the I, And you could you day. could argue it's more important that he's healthy in, in June and July than than now. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah no, that that's, too. that's that too. Although I guess that's kind of a given. Maybe that's kind of a silly statement. But I, I get where we've had good questions today. I get where that where uh, Martin is coming from on that. But he just needs to be healthy. I mean, I think if, he, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be good. I felt that 
all along. We felt that for many years. Matty Hebbs 14, before the pandemic, it sounded like there was a growing media access to Notre Dame's football practices. What kind of media access do you guys have this spring, and will COVID safety measures restrict some of it? I mean, Notre Dame's been the, – our ability to see preseason practices in August for the last few years, excluding 2020, has been really good. I yeah, mean, really they, good. They upped it for real. Yeah, they really yeah. did. And I, and I would imagine that we would have had – you know, fairly ample access this spring, but we're not going to. We're going to get the blue goal game, and we are hoping it is a possibility that we get another Saturday in Notre Dame Stadium, but that that one has not been scheduled. So right now – I will sit in the top we, row if I have to. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. only thing that we know we are going to see is the spring game, and it won't – It'll there will still be limited. I think the three of us here – sorry, Jack – although I'm sure you don't mind. <laughs> I think the three of us will be in Notre Dame Stadium for the Blue Gold game, meaning I think Irish Illustrated is going to have two passes for the, the Blue Gold game, but we don't, know, we don't know that for sure. There will be more access for the Blue Gold game than there was for home games last fall. Right. I, I think Notre Dame's position is totally understandable with oh, absolutely. access. I yeah. get it. I, I was surprised that there was this groundswell of fans who were like, well, if they really wanted to get you in, they could. And then 24 hours later, the hockey team is kicked out of the NCAA tournament for COVID protocols. So it's like getting the media to see a spring football practice really is, is not super important. And I, you know, as we sort of did a, among my colleagues at the athletic who cover different schools, like basically sort of a, what's your spring access. And that there are some school, I would say that probably a third of the schools allowed some practice access um, where you could go out and watch a little bit of it. Probably in but the Southeast. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then, but I mean, it was, the majority was nothing. Um, well, it's, there's know, no just, real reason to change your um, campus policies for the Notre Dame football media to watch your practices this year. This no, spring. I, yeah. and I, I, I sort of disagree with the notion that like Notre Dame has been moving towards like more closed stuff to the media. I feel like if it's kind of like slightly moved in a different direction, like fall camp like spring practices what we usually get like four or five full practices like yeah Notre Dame used to be at the high end of practice observation access nationally yeah the, the close thing is there has been fewer and fewer in season well by fewer I mean none in season and coordinator access which is the maddening thing because in, in assistants and coordinators in season give you great insight right like Brian Kelly's doesn't have 30 yeah. minutes and 15 minutes to talk about and it. We, that's why we don't know anything about what Jordan Patello did last year in practice. Cause we didn't talk to Mike Elston. Like we don't go to the Notre Dame Clemson pregame on Brian Kelly Thursday and say, so how Patello, Jordan Patello, I know he's not going to play against Clemson, but I want you to talk to me about it. It's just not a thing. And that that's what you lose out on. But and I like it, to see him practice. It's still a, it, it, we know that there's a body occupying the seat, but it's still a rumor to the media that Mike Mickens and, and John McNulty are on the <laughs> yeah. staff. We have, well, I we mean, how many times have we talked to Lance Taylor once? Well, yeah. yeah. Right. That, but that was a mandated, uh, wasn't Lord, that Lance Taylor was because they were in the playoffs though, right? Uh, Maybe we talked to him twice. Right, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well, I, that, it's still it, yeah. though. That's I, I, look. We we. Uh, I've seen him once. Unless we're and I disappointed. Split we're yeah. disappointed about the spring because we didn't have last spring and we didn't have last August to observe. 
I think we're we completely understand Norton's yes. perspective on this. There's no, oh, yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent. You know, zero point one percent was I could sit in the upper deck when they're at the stadium. Right. we still might right. be able to do that. We still yeah. might. Be able to do I, that. I mean, I'm we're I'm really hopeful that we get that extra Saturday in Norton yeah. Stadium, yeah. and I think again, this is this hasn't been promised. I think it's it's slightly better than a 50-50 chance that we do get that second right. practice. Final question from Rich Morazzi. What can Alabama and Clemson's fencing programs do to close the gap with Notre Dame? <laughs> if you, Start if you, one. If you, yeah, if you don't understand why that's our last question, it's that Notre Dame didn't win their 11th national title in fencing over the weekend. We do not cover fencing on Irish Illustrated, but we so like everybody else. You need to yeah. get... Devante Smith's parents and Najee Harris's parents to put them into fencing at a young age. And that would be a problem for Notre Dame. And if the Alabama and Clemson football players were, were in the fencing program, then Notre Dame probably would be difficult. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, <laughs> you made LeBron right. James a goalie back when he was three. He would be a pretty good goalie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, this has been fun. I, I uh, everybody that uh, uh, submitted questions, you guys did a great job. And we don't. I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I have answers to some of these things when we don't. And 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 it's largely because the Nordian coaching staff doesn't have those answers either. I'm sure that they have a few more than we do, yeah. but they don't. Have, they don't have. <laughs> they don't have those answers either. One practice into the spring, but good stuff. And we'll continue to talk about this. We our next access. Uh, to current players will be Saturday. Uh, we understand we may get a couple quarterbacks this coming Saturday and Brian Kelly. We'll talk to Brian Kelly every Saturday. And then Pro Day uh, is coming up on this Wednesday. But our next, our next podcast will be a week from today. And um, keep following us on – yes, Tim. There, there is one thing I will not miss from Zoom Spring Access, and that is being inside the dark – uh, Loftus Center and trying to hand time people running their 40s to see if it was any good because you know what <laughs> it was never all that productive for me honestly now, from a workload standpoint I'm, it was I'm curious the the with the pro day on Wednesday I know there's going to be TV coverage but are we going to actually get times yeah they're going to send it all they after, will okay after, we'll just like after. usual yeah yeah so that what like they won't be reporting during the broadcast that uh, that'd be cool if they so did so but i think the yeah. official times come out after for all that stuff you know yeah well that'll be good stuff then we appreciate you joining us and our next podcast will be on monday Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.